0: Sleuth Hounds, have you ever considered creating your own podcast? Have you been inspired by listening to some of your favorites and thought, I'd love to try this out on my own? Whether it's a true crime podcast like ours, a motivational podcast, or maybe one filled with tips and strategies for those interested in the same activities you are. When Maggie and I first decided to start our podcast, we knew absolutely nothing about what podcasting would entail. But when we found that the platform Buzzsprout was one for which we didn't need any special equipment, just a computer microphone, some quiet space, and each other, we knew that this was the way to go. It is intuitive to use, fun to play around with, and so helpful in getting analytical data about our number of downloads to track trends and from where our listeners hail. Best yet, Buzzsprout is affordable, even by our teacher salary standards. Buzzsprout will get your podcast listed on every major podcasting platform. So, what are you waiting for? Fulfill that dream of yours and start today. If you use our Coffee and Cases referral code 709-643, linked on Facebook and in our show notes, not only will you help support our show, but you will receive a $20 Amazon gift card after your second month on a paid plan. It's that easy. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Now, it's time for the world to hear what you have to say.
1: We talk a lot about struggles on this show and just in life in general. People struggle to lose weight, struggle to find a job, struggle with addiction, struggle with death. We like to try to justify the struggle. We've been conditioned to believe that we'll enjoy life more. Take more from life if we struggle. Thomas Paine wrote quote, The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. So just smile through your struggles and it'll be okay in the end. That's what we want to believe. But for some people, the struggles they're enduring don't stop at the end of some imaginary rainbow. For some, it seems that with one struggle ending, another one comes up. Being married can sometimes be a struggle. With Valentine's Day behind us, um, we've seen all types of jealousy over the lavish gifts we've seen given on social media, but marriage is more than gifts, and we know this. It takes hard work, and even though some people work hard to make their marriage work, they just can't. I'm a firm believer that you can't change people at their core. They are who they are, and sometimes in marriages, the person you thought you married isn't really that person down to the core, and your marriage becomes a struggle. Being a single parent is a struggle. I'm amazed by single parents. I can't imagine balancing life, a job, a child, your own mental health with no one there to help you. There are actually around 13.6 million people in the U.S. who are single parents. And I know that we often overlook your struggle. But despite that struggle, you make the best life you can for your child. Our story today centers around a struggling family, a marriage ends in divorce, and parents living on different continents. A mother's raising her daughter as best she can, and despite the smiles and the wishful thinking that things will get better, they don't. They actually get worse. On top of struggling with divorce, working, and making a new life, now this mother is struggling with the death of a child. It's hard to keep smiling and to hold on to the idea that the end justifies the means when everything around you is crumbling. This is the story of Lee Ochi.
0: Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my
1: name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the case will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases podcast. And to follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast. Because as these families know, conversation helps to keep their missing family member in the public consciousness, helping to keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week.
0: Maggie, before you start your story today, did you download the app that I told you to download?
1: i did and i'm still sort of figuring out um like how to use it but yeah it is on my phone now and i'm a little obsessed with it and i think that all of our listeners will be too if they've not already heard of it i know
0: you guys have probably seen it already on social media it's been everywhere um but of course that could be because i'm always looking up you know true crime cases, <laughs> but on social media, you've probably seen this app called Crime Door. I texted Maggie earlier this week, and I was like, you have got to download this <laughs> app because on it, if you download it, Sleuth Hounds, you can allow it to access your location, and it will actually show you true crime cases that have happened near you which is super cool. Or you can like type in a crime and they're updating it. I don't know if you noticed Maggie, but like every day they're adding like two or three new cases because it's Uh a new app. So it's like building and building the case files, but like, If you click on a crime, it will tell you, like, a summary. It gives you videos from, uh, like, news stories about it and articles and photos and then podcasts about it. And I got super excited. This is why I texted Maggie, too, because our podcast is listed on the podcast.
1: (laughs) And I just looked up, like, I'm flipping through, like, looking through it while we're talking about it. And I saw Blair Adams pop up. And I was like... I wonder if we're on there. And we are. We're the first podcasted list the first podcast listed for Blair Adams. So oh, that's no. kind of cool.
0: It's super exciting. And I haven't really explored the coolest part of the app yet, but there's actually a feature um, where it says like AR doors and it's like this augmented reality. And some of them are free. Some of them you do have to pay for because obviously the app creators need to make some money to keep going um, because this is time-consuming. But, and I'm, I'm sure some of them are locked because they are very detailed and graphic. They do have crime scene photographs. But like this augmented reality, you can open it up and use your phone and it's almost like a window into the crime scene. So if you are fascinated and obsessed with true crime like Maggie and I are, I I just had to tell you about it.
1: Yes, check it out.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay, sorry, Maggie. All right, back to your story.
1: (laughs) So today we're starting, um, well, today's story centers around a town in Mississippi, and it was the summer of 1992, and 13-year-old Lee Ochi was making the most of each day. And according to the disappearance of Lee Ochi, it said growing up, Lee was known for being kind, outgoing, and smart, a sweet girl who was known for her love of animals and pizza. She was particularly fond of horses and had shown interest in horseback riding. She was also a great student, particularly when it came to math, which is totally not like us, Allison. We're English people. (laughs) Anthony asked me something. It was so simple. It was like 13 plus like 27 or something. And I was like, hold on. I need paper. (laughs) You're like, I got this. Just give me a minute. Yeah, Give me a sec. But Lee was a pro at math. And she was actually born. She was an August baby. Um, So she was born August 21st, 1979 in Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh. uh, Look at that. So you and Lee are the same age. But she was born in Honolulu. Oh, well. That'd be nice. Yes.
0: I've been in Hawaii. That was It was really, really nice, like beautiful.
1: That's, that's a goal for um, Anthony and I is Hawaii yeah. to go. But her parents were there because they were both in the military, um, and they actually got married about only – they dated for about a year, um, and they got married. And then as I hinted in, in the intro, their marriage would end in divorce um, in 1981.
0: Oh, so Lee was actually very young. mm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, the fact that her parents divorced didn't really change a whole lot with her relationship with her dad. I mean, he moved. He was actually relocated to Germany, which is insane. Um, and Vicki left the armed forces and moved to Tolupo And I have no idea, y'all know me, if I'm saying that correct, in Mississippi. And in order to be closer to her parents. To two below, Tupelo. below, below. <laughs> And even though Donald lived overseas, like I said, he did maintain a close relationship and a happy relationship with his daughter. Um, and Allison, I thought that you would love this, but Donald actually flew her to Germany one summer and the two spent time like just exploring the country together and like doing all kinds of just fun activities. And I thought that was really cool. I love that. Like I want my little sleuth hound to
0: see the world Yes, I didn't get to. But I just think that's so important.
1: Yes. And I just felt like I thought that kind of spoke volumes of the dad, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to fly her out there. Eventually, though, Donald would relocate to Virginia, which isn't super close to (laughs) too below, <laughs> but it is closer than Germany. Yeah. yeah. And, and they would spend much more time together. Um, he talked about they would spend time shooting guns at the gun range. They love driving around in his four-wheel drive vehicle. Um, I didn't really look up exactly where they lived in Virginia, but if it's anything like where I grew up, if they're more like west part of the state of Virginia, they would have lots of hills and things to mm-hmm do ATV oh, activities on sound a lot like Kentucky pastimes. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to the gun range and we're going to go, <laughs> we're going to go four wheeling. <laughs> so um, summer started out just like any other four 13 year old Lee. She had a boyfriend, which is cute. Yeah. And she lived for their Nali phone conversations. And I know Allison that um, your little sleuth hound is getting to the age where that's like a super big deal, like in middle school that um, you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I'm not ready. I can't, <laughs> I can't handle it yet. And they'll come into class and they'll be like, Miss Dameron do you want to hear the tea? And they'll just like start telling me, they're like, blah, 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 likes blah, 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 like all this. So it's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Um, And so like I said, she just lived for the conversations with her boyfriend. And I can just picture how excited she was to have a boyfriend at 13. Mm -hmm. So the same time that This story is taking place. Hurricane Andrew was ripping apart the Gulf of Mexico. And you were young then, Allison, but maybe you remember um, Hurricane Andrew. It was a big hurricane. Like, he was a Hurricane 5. So, he caused a lot of deaths and devastating damage. Um, Luckily, though, Mississippi, the part where Lee is from, missed the fury of the storm. That stuff creeps me out.
0: Like storm tornadoes oh yes
1: like yes i'm terrified yes and so they did get like tornadoes and thunderstorms and you are not the only one who is scared of like tornadoes and thunderstorms and things like that i hate when it gets super windy i just don't like Like, a little rain or, like, a calm little thunderstorm is okay. But, like, I do not do big storms. And, like, I can remember my mom telling me growing up, like, I would get so scared. And she would say, it wasn't the lightning that scared me. It was the thunder. And I can remember her telling me that um, the thunder was just the sound of the angels in heaven going bowling. Oh, (laughs) I love that. That's so cute. (laughs) And Like, I don't know how she thought that up. But that's so Well, did she it calm you down me or were you still freaking? Yeah, out? no, it did help me. Good. Um, and Lee is just like us. She was actually very scared of storms. Um, in fact, she actually slept with her mother on the night of August twenty sixth because the rain was so heavy and it just like she couldn't sleep. And what year was this that all this was
0: happening? Nineteen ninety two. Okay, so August twenty sixth, nineteen ninety two. Mm-hmm. Hurricane Andrew, thunderstorm, sleeping with her mom.
1: Yes. yeah, Got it. Like the last of Hurricane Andrew on the 26th and 27th and probably a few days after is like pushing through Mississippi right now. Okay. And so they're just experiencing heavy rains. So the next morning, August 27th, um, Lee actually had plans to attend her middle school open house with her grandmother. Which Love is that. A, I do too. And that's just a normal summer thing. Also props to this school school district in Mississippi, not starting school until the end of August.
0: didn't even realize that. That's amazing.
1: I know. So her mom um, actually leaves to go to work around eight o'clock in the morning, leaving Lee home alone, which from all accounts that I read, wasn't really like a normal thing. I actually read that if she would get off the bus, like just, you know, when school was in session, if the door... Was like, I believe I read if it was unlocked, that meant her mom wasn't home and she wouldn't go in. She would go to like a neighbor's house and wait for her mom to pick her up Uh uh-huh. because she just didn't like to be home alone. But this morning she's left home alone. But if her mom left around eight, I mean, I
0: don't know what time the open house is, but I wouldn't think she'd be home like a long, long time
1: right and it's not like she was going to be there the whole shift just
0: maybe for a little bit she's 13 so I mean that's that's a pretty decent age to begin staying home you know by yourself Mm -hmm. for a little bit
1: yeah I'm pretty I think I might have started like my mom and dad going to the grocery store and like me staying home when I was in like seventh grade Mm -hmm. so maybe it was just like a few hours so it wasn't really any big deal for her to be home alone, right? But by around eight thirty or eight forty five in the morning, storms were rolling back into town, and I think you will appreciate this next little bit, Allison, as well, because Vicky, which is Lee's mom, obviously gets worried about Lee because she knows, right, that she's scared of thunderstorms, and these storms are rolling back into town, mm-hmm. and so she calls Lee at home and. You know, obviously, this was probably pre caller ID, and they right. actually had a secret phone call system put into place so that Lee would know it was Bicky. Oh, I know. So she would call, and it would ring twice. She would let it ring twice, and she would hang up and then call right back. And that's how, like Lee and Bicky knew that it was one or the other trying to call them. That's really smart. I know. Yeah, I
0: know, and it, now we know who's calling because, you know, but back then, yeah, you didn't.
1: Yeah. yeah and like it reminded me because and anything I've started doing this, like if you or Rodney, if it's an emergency, like if you call a second time, yep. like you need to pick up the phone. yep, And that's definitely. what that reminded me of. Yep. So she does call back the second time, though, and no one picks up. Hmm. So she just finds that really odd because being home alone wasn't a normal thing and so vicky actually heads back to their house at 105 honey locust drive because she is just sure that like lee is too scared to answer the phone or something's wrong and she called what like 30 45 minutes after she left
0: so yeah it hasn't been that long
1: Yes, and she actually, from most reports that I read, she left immediately after calling. Some people say that she tried to call like the grandma to go over and check on Lee, but I don't really think that the time frame can match up because she actually pulls into their driveway a little before nine o'clock in the morning. So, so she's all really of this been an gone like an hour. yeah, she's really only been gone like an hour maybe an hour and a half because times could be off a little. Right, right. And she's super surprised when she pulls up to the house to see their garage door open with the garage light on. And like, I don't know about at your house, but I know that at our last house, when we would open the garage door, like an overhead light would come on and it would stay on for a few minutes before turning off. And I mean, like five minutes by a few minutes, like it wasn't a long time.
0: I think on hours it depends because like so hours if you open the door and the light comes on obviously as the door opens and then i think you're right it's maybe five minutes and then it kicks off Mm -hmm. but if i then hit the light button on it again after it's already gone off Mm -hmm. then it stays on indefinitely until i turn it off oh But if the door's open, it's probably the first scenario.
1: And Um, that's what the mom thinks, too. So I'm assuming maybe they didn't even have, like, an option for it to stay on for a longer amount of time. Um, But she knew... Something was amiss and she was, you know, trying to justify, you know, maybe um, Lee heard something. She opened the garage door to check something out and then she went back in and forgot to close it. And so she just goes inside a 105 Honey Locust Drive, um, but everything wasn't okay like she thought it was going to be.
0: Oh, no. Okay, so first of all, I'm super nervous right now,
1: <laughs> but I also have to say even that like
0: I know we've talked about this before like especially moms we try to like justify things instead of our gut reaction we try to like explain it away mm-hmm. and things like that but if she's that scared to where the mom was like maybe she didn't answer the phone the second time because she was scared I'm super doubting that she would have willingly opened a garage door to check on a noise
1: Yes. And Vicki enters the house through an unlocked door. So I also don't think she would have left the door unlocked. I mean, they have like a secret call system so they know who it is. Like, I just don't think that the garage door being open and the unlocked door really point to anything positive being On the inside of the house.
0: Because I don't know about you, Maggie, but I know when I was growing up, if my parents were not home and I was home by myself, the door was locked. My bedroom door was locked. Every light was on in
1: my bedroom. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I was locked tight. There was one time my parents, and I mean, this was like, I was in high school and they went to Tennessee for the weekend and I stayed home and all of our dogs... We're inside my house. All the lights were on. I slept with all every light in my house on. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Like, and when Anthony's gone, like, this is too much information, but <laughs> I'll share it. Like, <laughs> when Anthony's gone, when I shower, I shower with, like, the shower door open. So I can see if anybody's, like, coming to, to kill it. me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. And Vicki... Like you said, she is she tries to rationalize like what she's seeing because mm-hmm. when she walks into the home, she actually finds blood smeared on the walls. Oh my gosh. I would flip out. Yes. And like again, like I'm trying to think in my mind, I would be like, Okay, maybe she was trying to be grown up and she was trying to make breakfast and she cut her hand on a knife and Okay. Like just in a panic, got blood on the wall. You know, maybe I'm going to walk into the bathroom. She's going to be sitting on the floor scared because she's bleeding really bad. I'm going to have to take her to the hospital and she's going to need stitches. Right. Like that's the scenario that I would be building in my mind. But when she goes through the house, no one's there. No one's outside in the yard. No one's outside in the pool. And so Vicki knew she couldn't rationalize the situation any longer, and she called 911. Oh, my gosh. I know. Police quickly arrive on scene, but they make some really gruesome discoveries. And this part, I think, will just, it makes your stomach kind of churn, and it makes your heart drop a little. No. So according to the Charlie Project, um, which, by the way, sleuth hounds, I love the Charlie Project. I do too. Like such good information, such reliable information. So check out the Charlie Project. But um, there was no signs, like I said, of forced entry into the house. Um, But there were indications that a struggle had taken place. First, obviously, is the still wet stains of blood that are inside the house, on the walls, in the carpet, and on the bathroom countertop.
0: So it's there's quite a lot of it.
1: It sounds like yes, because when I first was reading, like I literally pictured like you know just a smear of blood, like you right. cut your arm or something. But this to me is like there's a lot. Um, they are able to determine that it's type O blood, but on the Charlie project, it's they're unsure what Lee's blood type was. If the, she was, they don't know if she was A or if she was O. Which no, this could be blood from a perpetrator, yes, but they don't believe that it is because okay. the trail leads down the hallway to the living room to the back door, and the there's blood and actually hair ripped out and stuck onto the door frame, suggesting maybe she was like carried out, and she hit- they hit her head on the door frame,
0: oh no.
1: And they find one of her nightgowns and one of her bras, both covered in blood, in her bedroom. And that, the mom,
0: Oh, my gosh. That detail. You know, we say there's always, like, the detail that gets you. That's, like, kicking the stomach.
1: No, it gives me, like, goosebumps. It's, mm-hmm. And, like, and the mom, obviously, Vicki is able to say yeah, this was the nightgown she was wearing when I left home this morning. And so, as a parent, as her as Vicki, I don't know what I don't know how she kept it together right during this time. Um, they are able to determine that it looks like someone made an effort to clean up blood in the bathroom, but they can't find a rag or a towel anywhere. You know, that would show that they tried to wipe it up. But they can tell from the countertops that it looked like someone tried to clean up.
0: So basically at this point, we know that she has been injured in some way. Mm -hmm. But we don't really know how exactly. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We know that, at least I would assume, and I I know I'm jumping ahead, that it would either be someone local, someone she knew. or Because she had to have... If there's no sign of forced entry Mm -hmm. then she had to have let them in or or a door mistakenly was left unlocked right but the fact that she like the nightgown that she had on when her mom left is still there did the perpetrator have her change or is she naked
1: well the mom is able to tell police that lee's greeting glasses are gone She's missing some, like, a pair of shoes. She's missing some underwear and clothes that she got for her birthday. So, like, the mom knows, like, these clothes should be here and they're not. And a sleeping bag is missing.
0: So, it's almost like whoever this was, like, told her, hey, we're going to go. Like, yeah, I'm I'm taking you to pack up your stuff. Hmm. So, maybe... I was going to say maybe she changed clothes, but then why would her nightgown and bra have blood on them?
1: Well, I don't know if it would maybe be like, I'm taking you and she puts up a fight and, you know, she gets injured that way, but then still mm. ends up changing clothes and going.
0: Maybe. Or maybe her nightgown was what was used to w- try to, I don't know, to try to wipe things up, maybe? Maybe.
1: Maybe. But according to the Washington Post, Lee's boyfriend, Jordan, said that his school was already back in session. They went to different schools. And so he got off the bus and he said it was his everyday ritual to call Lee when he got home. And so he calls the home phone, and Vicki picks up. And in this article, he says, quote, I rushed off the bus to call her like I always did, to call her as soon as I got home from school, and her mom picked up the phone. I asked where Lee was, and Vicki said she was missing. I don't know what missing is. I'm 12 years old. What do you mean missing? And she said, we don't know where she is. We can't find her. Oh, in my quote. gosh. And his little
0: boyfriend, I'm sure, was like heartbroken too.
1: Yeah, and like he said, he's 12 at this point. Like, goodness, that's something super difficult as an adult to wrap your head around, let alone a 12 year old. Right. They do send out though, like several, several search parties. Um, Obviously, you know, the, the searches start pretty much immediately, but each search comes back empty handed, and I think. Alison that a big factor that played into like how this investigation was handled, the clues that they had, the evidence they collected from like the crime scene and stuff was the weather. Because remember that Mississippi is experiencing heavy rains due to Hurricane Andrew, so they're saying a lot of evidence could have been washed away. Like they weren't able to find footprints, which if it's muddy you would think you would, but I guess if it's like really rainy maybe they're washed away and the same with tire tracks and the search and rescue dogs have a hard time following her scent because of the rain
0: oh it's like worst case scenario Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and many thought at the beginning that lee was injured and she was hiding somewhere, like because she was just scared of the storms. It's like, so something happened in the house and she's injured and she maybe got scared and ran. And then she's now hiding because of all the storms and the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, but when aerial searches are done, that reveals nothing. Um, and it's soon clear to those involved that this is no longer a rescue mission, but a recovery mission.
0: Oh, man.
1: I know. And. According to the article, The Disappearance of Lee Ochi, one week after her disappearance, um, a $1,000 reward is offered in the hopes that, you know, someone would come forward with information. They don't. Two weeks later, it's doubled. And the home is sealed off, you know, for investigation at that time. Vicki goes on to hire a private investigator. She runs ads in a local newspaper, all in the hopes of getting new leads and nothing happens.
0: That seems like a long time to wait before sealing off the home.
1: Yes. And um, I don't know if, like maybe that just meant like Lee was no longer allowed back in there. Maybe she'd been getting some of her stuff out. Like I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, I agree with you. That is a long time to, because things could be tampered with.
0: Right. I'd be like, lock it now. I'm going to go stay at somebody's house because I don't want, I wouldn't want to like, touch something like inadvertently mess you know
1: that a mm-hmm. perpetrator could have touched and then mess up mm-hmm. the investigation for my daughter yeah right eight days though after lee is reported missing a call finally does come in a northeastern mississippi community college student reported seeing a girl mashing lee's description in a truck in the drive-thru lane of the boonville mississippi mcdonald's so okay, we so have someone lead Right. Um, They look into it, though, and it actually turns out to be someone else. Mm. Because, I mean, we've talked about that before. Like, I don't even remember what case it was, but everybody, like the detective said that this guy looked like too many people and it actually Mm. ended up hurting their investigation.
0: Right. I know we talked about it with uh, like the Amy Maholovic case. They were like, don't let this sketch rule anybody out.
1: Yeah. Oh, and it was the family, the French family that I covered. The father. Yeah. 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 So, again, we have this lead that leads nowhere. And then less than a week after the false sighting, something totally just unexpected and strange. And like the fact that like when I was reading up on the case before I decided this was the one I was going to cover this week like this is what I was like okay this is a, this is interesting and this is just so bizarre that I have to mention like I have to cover this case and I wanted okay. this to go further than it did but it really didn't so a package containing Lee's glasses was mailed to 105 Honey Locust Drive from Boonville so the McDonald's mm-hmm. where they supposedly saw her but then it wasn't her that town someone from that town mails back Lee's glasses, and they're addressed to Lee's stepfather, Barney, because Vicki had remarried, you know, at some point, but Barney and Vicki had actually separated a few weeks before Lee disappeared.
0: That's weird. So then it's yes. almost like this was some sort of like vengeance or vendetta against the stepdad.
1: Yeah, or like, I almost kind of took it as like, are we pointing fingers at the stepdad? Like, I don't like... I don't know.
0: Mm.
1: Police hoped, obviously, that the glasses would offer some new evidence that would lead to, like, figuring out who her abductor was. They wanted DNA samples, but the stamps contained no DNA. They're, like, they were attached with water, not saliva. Mm. So they weren't able to pull any DNA Um, And one of the investigators told the Washington Post, quote, we didn't bother with the state crime lab. I was hoping to get DNA off the back of the stamps, but the stamps were wet with water. The package had more than enough postage on it and was dropped in a mailbox in Boonville, end quote. Like I actually read it had like, I think, six stamps on this one package. So
0: like way more than what it would need.
1: Like double the amount that it would need to actually get there. Hmm. Um, and a lot of investigators felt the glasses were just a distraction, like something to throw police off of the investigation. But like, I don't really know how that throws them off the investigation because they were her glasses. Right. I, I just wanted this like so much more to come from the glasses and that's really it. There was no ransom letter, um, nothing really came along with the glasses it was just the glasses and like one investigator said i mean, you would think if it was an act if it was an actual kidnapping you would have expected a little more to come along with that end quote
0: yeah because if there's no ransom note then this seems very personal mm-hmm. and like are the are the glasses supposed to indicate something Is that why people are thinking it's pointing fingers at the stepdad? Like, you know, if he, if he, I don't know. What's he going to do though? Mail him to himself? No, but what I was thinking, like, if somebody's trying to say that, like, I don't know, let me give a scenario and I don't want to make accusations. And I know that this is a wild accusation and scenario I'm getting ready Uh to throw out there. But like, if the stepdad didn't want Lee around, And Uh wanted someone, you know, to send her off somewhere to, you know, live with somebody else, change her identity, whatever. And maybe the glasses were like a sign that it was done.
1: Oh, okay. I see what
0: you're saying. Like, I don't know if, if, like, that's at least a reason where there wouldn't be anything else but the glasses. Yeah. But, like... But then you'd think, like, the glasses would be left somewhere. They wouldn't be, like, mailed back to the stepdad, which clearly would point a finger at him and make him look suspicious. That's why I said maybe it was, like, some sort of vendetta. Because you'd think if it was something against Vicky, against Lee's mom, then they would have been sent to her. Yeah. So I think that's very bizarre.
1: Yes. And, like... Like I said, I just wanted more to come from the glasses, but Mm -hmm. there really just isn't a lot of physical evidence for investigators to go on. I mean, we have the blood at the crime scene with the glasses, and that's really all they have. But they do have other information that helps them to build a case. So, for example, while they couldn't determine how Lee left the house, meaning, like, did she leave on foot? Did she leave in a vehicle? They were able to determine that the attacker had about an hour to an hour and a half to commit the crime he, co- he or she committed based on the timeline Vicki gave.
0: Right, because she left at eight. She doesn't get home until after nine.
1: Right. Also, the front door was unlocked. And this was, like you mentioned, a red flag, especially to The mom, Vicki, because they always locked their door when they were home. And the easy entry can only mean one thing to those who knew Lee best. And that was that she knew her attacker. Yep. That's what I said from the beginning. Especially if she's that scared.
0: The only way she would let somebody in is if she knew them.
1: And I feel like it would have to be someone who knew her really well. Like they know maybe she's frightened of storms. And so they're like, oh, I'm just coming over here to check on you. Make sure you're okay. I know it's like storming outside. Right. Like that kind of thing. But, but I mean, that could be anybody. Because, you know, like I might share
0: with all of my students, you know, something about my little sleuth hound. And now they all know that detail. Mm-hmm. You know, so like it could be, gosh, Lee could have mentioned it at school. Vicki could have mentioned it at work. I mean, it could be anybody
1: well we do talk about like well right away fingers point to a few select people and there are three people that we're going to talk about and discuss that people in the community or people involved in the case or family feel kind of iffy about okay so i think right away obviously we can rule out her father I mean, not just for the fact that he lived in Virginia, but he was in the military. And it's not like you can just leave the military for like a day and then come back for him to be able to commit some type of crime like this. Like he had to get special permission for a month's leave to travel to Mississippi to help look for his daughter. So like. So they would we, have known if you left. Yes. Because right. like he would have to report to duty and all that. So. We're ruling out the dad. One thing I do find odd is that her dad, Donald, told investigators that he was under the impression that Lee had just simply ran away from home. That Vicki had, be- like, led him to believe that way when she talked to him on the phone. Um, blood smeared
0: on the wall and things like that. I would, yeah, seriously doubt it. In the middle of thunderstorms.
1: Yes, and I don't know if it's maybe, like, She knew he would be traveling. And so she didn't want him to, you know, speed or be super like reckless trying to get there. And so she made it sound like it wasn't as bad as what it was.
0: See, I don't think that's a natural reaction either.
1: I don't either. And once
0: he freaking out.
1: Yes. Yes. And once he learns what truly happened, he actually told people that, like reporters and investigators, that he knew, like he could feel that Lee was dead. And Mm -hmm. that after being misled by Vicky, he felt that she was somehow involved in Lee's murder. And he even told police to look into her as a suspect. Wow. And so we're actually going to start with Lee's mom, Vicky. Okay. Okay. So honestly, I hate even talking about Vicky killing Lee because in my naive little world that I live in, Mothers protect their children and no mother would ever hurt their baby. But obviously we know that's not true. Right. I mean, we see it all the time in the media. And so I wanted to actually know, like if there were studies on how many like child homicides are as a result of being killed by their mother. And so I Googled Mm -hmm. it and it is shocking Shocking! So, did you know that the United States has the highest rate of childhood homicide of any other developed nation in the world?
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Eight out of one hundred thousand infants are murdered every year.
0: Not a good. Not a good number one statistic. To no. Have.
1: Yeah, like I'm all about being number one, but I, on that, not I want to be the last yeah. one.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Um, and they actually think that those rates are this is like according to this big journal that I read online. Um, they think that those rates are actually probably much higher, but due to inaccurate inaccurate coroner rulings or like somebody's just never being discovered, um mm-hmm. they think that like it could be a lot higher. Um mm-hmm. and actually there's like around two kids per one hundred thousand a year that are murdered that are Lee's age, that would have been Lee's age.
0: Jeez.
1: This also, I was like, what, what is this? Okay.
0: White universes, whatever you're going to tell us true.
1: (laughs) Yes. So among children, this is a quote directly from um, this article called childhood murder by mothers, a critical analysis of the current state of knowledge and research agenda. So, among children under five years in the United States who were murdered in the last quarter of the 20th century, 61% were killed by their parents, 30% were killed Mm -hmm. by their mothers, and 31% by their fathers.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, like, I'm sorry, what?
0: (laughs) Wow.
1: I know. And it is actually the third leading cause of death for children ages 5 to 14 in the United States.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, you know, when we talked about the Darden family murders and I found that statistic that women are actually more likely to kill children than men. I'd like Again, what is this? (laughs) this Well, and I said before, like, I don't, I can't picture a man or a woman killing a child, especially so, like you just said, Maggie, a parent doing that, Mm -hmm. it, it boggles my mind. But I guarantee the leading causes are, you know, like those family annihilators, like the Chris Mm -hmm. Watts who, like, find some other partner and then like, sickeningly in their mind want to, like, start over and the only Mm -hmm. way to do that is to commit murder.
1: And I read, like, some other journals that were specifically about, like, um, homicide-suicide type things, like, where the mother would kill the child and kill herself. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't, like, obviously put anything about that in here because it didn't relate to this case at all. But, like, I, I... Was amazed, and I think every time I read a statistic like that, my heart is broken because Mm -hmm. I just cannot, I cannot grasp it. No. But police do check into Vicky. Um, She was actually subjected to three different polygraph tests, which I also found astonishing. But even more astonishing is the fact that she failed all three, all three tests. She failed them.
0: Who and that's hard for me because we talk about it all the time with the lie detector tests. Like, right. I know they're not reliable. And so I try not to judge. And yet I judge.
1: Right. And that's OK. So I was talking to Anthony about this case last night and her first excuse as to why she failed. Um, she told like investigators that. The test was given just a few hours after Lee's disappearance, and so it couldn't have been accurate. She said, I couldn't tell you why, referring to her polygraph test, they measure changes in your body and when your daughter has gone missing and they strap you up to things i can't imagine anyone's body not reacting but unfortunately they wasted a lot of time on it and she told that to cnn reporters and so i was like telling anthony you know like the first one was just given like a few hours after lee disappeared and i was like you know i'm sure she did have a lot of like heightened emotions and anthony said well that's why they ask you like is your that's name fine. Vicky? Yeah. Blah blah blah. So they can tell, like, what your heart rate is like exactly. at that time.
0: Yeah. So that's not even a legitimate reason, but it's not a standard to go by.
1: It is not a legitimate reason, but she uses that also when she fails the second one and the third one.
0: What? Yeah. So like, well, it's been four years. Yeah. So. And, I, and yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. Not a good look.
1: And I know, like, a few cases ago, we talked about rumors, right? Mm -hmm. Like, in this case, also has a lot of rumors that are floating around. And so there were rumors that Vicki was beating Lee. Um, There were rumors that Lee would arrive to school with black eyes and bruises. Uh, Like, coming from a teacher's perspective, of like this age group of children. Reported. yeah exactly yeah. and like again anthony and i were talking about this last night and he said well i came to school all the time with like with a black eye because i played sports and i'm like yeah but your teacher knew that right and i could verify that with your coach if i needed to verify that with your coach like if you're a student that you did not play sports and you came to school with a black eye and you tell me, Oh, I was horseback riding and an apple fell off a tree and hit me in the eye, which is a story that she told. And that's Mm. what this rumor says. Then I have no way to prove if that's true or not. And so as a professional, I'm letting like my school counselors know, right. My admin know. So the proper steps can be taken. Now, I do know that kids,
0: I'm sure, who are being abused at home could hide those bruises, and they probably yes. become experts at hiding them.
1: Right. So, and I'm not saying, like, she wasn't abused. Right. Because she potentially could have been. Right. But I would think that any decent teacher, if you see markings on a child, would inform, like, Child Protective Services. I would hope so. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. And none of that happened. So, again, that's just a rumor that's never been proven. Okay. Um, but according to Vicky, she says, and again, this goes back to what you said earlier, and you'll get it in a second. But okay. a local man named Oscar Mike Kearns, and he goes by Mike, is responsible for Lee's disappearance. And we're going to talk about him next. Okay. So
0: this is who Mom says is responsible. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: So I cannot, like we said, wrap my head around a mama hurting her own baby. I also cannot wrap my head around the scenario with Mike either, because Mike was like a vacation Bible school teacher. He was a church leader at the church where Vicki and Lee attended. And there are few people that I hold to super high standards. But if you are a teacher or a leader in your church, then i you're being held to a higher standard by me because I grew up like where my Sunday school leaders and church leaders were like amazing men and women to look up to. Absolutely. But obviously this is not the case with Mike. I know it's not uncommon for children to fall victim to, like, sex-hungry and evil people in some churches. But it shatters me that this type of evil exists in the world. And people claim that Mike is responsible for what happened to Lee and that she would have been comfortable enough with him to open the door if he had, like, come to check on her. Or something like that,
0: because she knew him from church. That does make sense. But had he ever done anything, like,
1: bad? Well, he is never arrested in connection with Lee's case. But he does get arrested for very disturbing things. So Mike actually, after Lee's disappearance is arrested because he abducted a 15-year-old girl from her home in Memphis, Tennessee, sexually assaulted her, and released her. And he had known that victim because he had moved to Tennessee and was a church leader in her church.
0: Oh, see, that doesn't look good to me because here's why that seems bad. And it makes me, in my mind, link him as the perpetrator because... If he moved, you know, basically right after Lee's disappearance, because sometime in that time he moved from Tupelo to Memphis, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. and the sexual assault and the fact that, you know, her nightgown and bra were left there means
1: at some point she didn't have them on. Yes, and... This is not the only case where Mike rapes someone. So he does plead guilty to rape and is sentenced only eight years in prison, um, which is disgusting. But he is released less than four years after, which again, so my students and I, when we were doing um, like argumentative writing, Mm -hmm. read about juvenile jail time and like being put in like a juvenile delinquent system versus like rehabilitation. And do we think that like they need to be sentenced, like their punishments need to be harder. So they like learn a lesson or do we need to try to rehabilitate them? And it talked about um, a person that committed like, like uh, assault, I think, and was released early for like, really good behavior. And then four months after he was released, murdered someone. Gosh. And that's
0: hard because if the purpose of jail is rehabilitation, then you want to hope. Right. A lesson has been learned.
1: And for Mike, it was not learned. He learned nothing because after his release, he kidnapped a married couple and raped the wife and subsequently was sent back to jail. Oh my gosh. And this part, I don't understand, again, like, we're not lawyers, but um, he's been, like, he has refused to be interviewed, which I can, like, I feel like, yeah, that you have the right to say yes, I'll be interviewed, or no, I won't. But, like, if you didn't do anything, I mean, I get, I say that, but then we see people who didn't do anything be tried for stuff they didn't do all the time. Right. Um, He's also refused to take a polygraph test in regards to Lee's disappearance.
0: Hmm. and yeah, that's like- a hard question too. Like, to to what extent should you be able to? Because I mean, obviously, prisoners have rights. You know. Mm-hmm. Then, like, to what extent, like, should you be able to force a prisoner to take a polygraph?
1: Right. Or think- like is there a court order that can be put into place that makes someone have to do a polygraph test or are they all voluntary? Like, I don't know the answer to that.
0: I don't know the answer to that either.
1: So somebody wondering yes, minds want to know. know.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we want to know. Um, so the last person that we're going to talk about is Vicki's like second ex-husband Barney. Oh, so the stepdad, the one who the glasses yeah. were
0: sent to. Okay. Right.
1: Um, So one suspicious fact about Barney is that the glasses that appeared, you know, at Honey Locust were addressed to him. Mm -hmm. Um, Barney does take a polygraph test. He, and so does her, her biological father does as well. Um, And they both pass those polygraph tests. Um, Barney is able to provide a substantial alibi for where he was during that time. And, that like he's never really looked into more than that but i still have some suspicions about him i still have suspicions about like all three of these people and i'm sure right. there's probably more people that i would be suspicious of as well right um but according to the article the disappearance of Lee Ochi, rumors again rumors right had been spread around town regarding his alleged violent behavior towards lee so a friend of the family had claimed that they'd heard that Barney would whip Lee and hit her and her boyfriend Jordan said that Barney would sometimes lock her out of their house as a punishment and that Mm. he claimed that she had told him she was scared of her stepfather and I guess part of
0: of my issue, too, is if all these people know about it, then, you know, Vicki knew about it, too.
1: Right. And and again, it is rumors. And I know, like, as a child, you sometimes can't like process everything that's going on in your mind and Mm -hmm. you know maybe when she thought she was locked out of her house like she really wasn't right you know i mean i don't know but her dad donald also told police that barney had confessed to him that he abused lee
0: well if i'm donald i'm busting up in that place and i'm being like my daughter's not staying here then
1: and i don't and i don't know if it was after her disappearance that he said that. Whoa. Which, again, if I was Donald, I would be busting Barney in the face.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But he does tell police of that. But the detective working the case said they never found any evidence of any abuse that occurred. Um, and Vicki also added that Lee never expressed her any alleged fears of Barney. Hmm.
0: I guess I'm super torn here because... Generally, if a child says that there's abuse going on, there's abuse going on.
1: Yeah, children usually don't lie.
0: Right. And so, like, generally you can trust those statements of a young person. Mm -hmm. But it saddens me that there are so many viable potential suspects in this case.
1: Yes. And it's like... I mean, obviously, it's sad any time someone dies before their time. But I think it's even more heartbreaking when you think about someone dying at the hands of someone they thought loved them. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what breaks my heart for Lee. And we have really nothing else. There was, like, one instance that a skull was found in, like, a park, like a state park, I believe, and it was falsely identified as Lee's through dental records, but they, I guess, didn't have Lee's most up-to-date dental records. And then it ended up being that was not Lee. It was another, like, a um, little bit older lady. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we really don't have any new developments in her case.
0: Wow.
1: Our story today centers around a struggling family, struggling to find a way to cope with losing a daughter, struggling to find out what happened to their daughter and why. Struggling to carry on with life. Carrie Ryan said it best. You stay safe. You love. You survive. You laugh and cry and struggle. And sometimes you fail. And sometimes you succeed. You push. So let's keep pushing for answers in this case, Luthounds. Anyone with any information can contact Lee's local police department at 662 841 6491, or you can contact the FBI at 202 324 3000. Again, please like and join us on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and to see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffee and cases podcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so that more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next week. week.